Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Christopher Hooting, culture editor at The Independent, and welcome to Kernels. On the pod this week, we've got Charlie Brooker, who's a guy I'm just pleased as punch for. You know, he used to be writing columns at The Guardian, and now he's like a showrunner, creator of one of the biggest TV shows in the world, Black Mirror. It's a show that started off as just a one-off Channel 4 special, you know, see how it goes. Maybe people will be interested in this, and it snowballed and snowballed to the point now where it's a huge annual Netflix event with star directors, star actors genre pieces period pieces that's picking up emmys so it's been cool to see him be able to do that without any really kind of formal training or you know the usual entrances into the industry and that's something we talk quite a lot about in this interview along with you know how he comes up with these ideas and how you decide which of them you know can be taken forward and fleshed out into a full-on narrative and which are ones that just bin because they're not going to work so I hope you enjoy it. Um, obviously, season four of Black Mirror is coming out sometime in December, we're told. We don't know an exact date yet. But it's going to be another six episodes. And again, experimenting, you know, so there's uh, we've got this, like a sci-fi rump in there. There's, you know, more of a straightforward, gritty drama. There's one in the style of an indie film. So it should be interesting and something to watch over Christmas when you need to cower away from family time and terrible festive TV. All right, I hope you enjoy, and I'll catch you on the other side. Hey, Charlie. Hello, how are you? Yeah, too bad, you. It's Chris. Oh, man, can't complain. You're recording already, look I at this. I am, yeah. <laughs> All right. I kind of wondered if you might have had to do these once upon a time when you are in journalism from the other side, or... Uh, yeah, no, I have. I did... I, know, I would record like, I, I did, uh, interviews with video game developers or yeah. um, occasionally actors if they were appearing in a video game. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And then I'd... I'm terrible at transcribing things. Oh, God, it's the worst. the sound quality would be bad. And then you're like... The, or the worst... Because I'm quite... And I hate it when people misuse OCD, but I am a little bit OCD. So if I couldn't quite work out what the word was, I couldn't bring myself to invent what the word was. It's crazy to me that for all these gadgets that we're talking about in the show that you, can't, you still can't get one that can do the transcribing for you. I know, that's mental. I, I was assuming that you could a few years ago. I, yeah. I did do something, I think... For the guide I did, I interviewed Adam Curtis or something, and I couldn't, and I thought, by now, surely there must be some software that, no. Yeah. Mental. Well, it's good to meet you anyway, as someone who's just looking to escape journalism and make films, it's uh, nice to meet someone who's done it. (laughs) By accident, I think, I did it. Um, Very lucky, yeah. Yeah, how are you hoping to escape journalism? <laughs> <laughs> or do you make films now and I'm online? I'm making, making films and trying to lean into that, you know. Well, that's like, the way to do it, basically, yeah. isn't it? It's just to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, um, I was watching about a bit, bit of old Black Mirror last night and how a lot of them about the fact that the only thing worse than death is life. And they kind of... <laughs> well, there's a cheery take. <laughs> the only thing worse than it. death is life. And you, Well, the persistence of life beyond 
how long it's supposed to go on for. Oh, I see. Like an eternal hell yeah, sort of thing. That's the worst torture is being alive. <laughs> well, we quite often... That's probably because sometimes in the show, it's fun to think of... A, the, sometimes, because we do so many different types of episodes, in a way, and as we've gone on this season, they're all the six episodes, and they're all completely different... And some of them are some of them are fantastical. Some of them feel quite grounded. Some of them are a bit Stephen King. <laughs> so some, there's something I quite like about something like White Christmas, where there's yeah. like a sort of horrible existential hell that is created. Because <laughs> it's an idea that when you think about it, it makes you feel a bit. It's awful. The idea of ten thousand years, or whatever it is. Yeah. Oh, it's longer than that. <laughs> it's like where it's something like a thousand years a second or something. He's put up, and they say, "Well, leave him on over Christmas." So he's there for about four days. Yeah. It's, somebody's worked it out somewhere. It's like millions of years <laughs> he's stuck in that. I mean, what would you even? Would you evolve? In that you'd be a, you'd just be mush. You would. Mm. <laughs> Talking about um, genre actually, and how you like, you seem to be like playing with it more and more every year. Mm-hmm. I kind of wonder by this point, what idea comes to you first? Either this is the plot device I want to make a, an episode around, or this is the type of genre of piece of TV I want to make, or is it different depending? Well, you're right on both counts actually, and that actually sometimes it's 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 one or the other. Also, mm. so sometimes, and sometimes one question follows on from the other. So sometimes it is. Um, so myself and Annabelle Jones, who's the co-showrunner, will sit down and go, right, we can't do another story, what are we going to do? And then, you know, there'll be a conversation and sometimes it'll be like, okay, what if, what if there was a device that allowed you to always see where your children are and you could get health information, feedback, what that worked like, what if you could see yeah. what they were seeing as well, what are the ramifications of that? So that would be a what-if idea that we're bouncing back and forth. And then sometimes sometimes that's the starting point. Sometimes the starting point is, what genres haven't we tackled yet? And you'll think, well, we haven't done... Um, we haven't done... Uh, a, we haven't slow done a space... Western or something. We haven't done a slow... Although, I haven't watched Westworld, but weirdly, we did have a conversation not that long ago. We went, we haven't done a Western! And then we thought, oh, hang on, there's Westworld, isn't there? That's a bit Black Mirror, by yeah. all accounts, so... Um, but so, yeah, so sometimes we come at it from that we'll go we haven't done so San Junipero came about because there were two thoughts going on at the same time which was one we'd had a conversation about could we do a period episode and I sort of wanted to do one set yeah. in relatively recent past like the 80s or the 90s how would that work as a Black Mirror story I was like trying to wrap my head around that one and then we were also having a conversation about virtual reality and therapy and old people and then the two ideas went oh okay and so sometimes it's it's that basically sometimes yeah. it's both what we don't tend to do is we don't tend to look at the news um and go what's the black mirror take on yeah. brexit or, or something like that partly because by the time our episode comes out that would be long gone because uh, the so the episodes we've got coming out at the moment were written Started writing in July 2016. Yeah, instance. it's a bit of a death spiral if you're just trying to chase the news. and You don't know. And the news is moving so fast yeah. these days, you just don't know. Some of those what-if ideas must be pretty terrible on occasion. <laughs> yeah. You, you I just mean, throw them you, up and someone's like, no. <laughs> you can't... Well, no, it's... There's, there's, well, there's that. And we don't, we don't look at technology pages either. We don't tend to go, oh, I see Apple have invented this new AR lens thing. That you know, What's the Black Mirror story in there? It's, it generally... It comes out of... 
you know that you've got a good idea when you're, you sort of get a bit excited about all the ramifications of the, of the concept. And then you, you're kind of like, oh, God, you could tell that. You could do about four different stories with yeah. that basic MacGuffin. Um, and, and then it's at the point where we know that we've got an ending. If you sort of talk it through and you go, and then, oh, no, I know what would happen. Eventually this would happen. It would be terrible. Oh, my God, we're awful. That's when I know it's time to go and start writing the script. Yeah. I guess. I notice you've been often like pushing the reveal back later in the episode. Not in all of them, but in some of them, you know, and you're, you're kind of, it just functions as a drama as itself and then you realise it. Is that like a confidence thing, do you think, that you've been able to do that? Sometimes it's weird in that sometimes a twist can be a bit of a millstone because like... We didn't do that many twists really early on until we did White Bear, where there's a big twist, mm. like a massive twist right near the end in the last sort of 10, 15... I never even think about it in terms of like acts. I never know what the <laughs> act structure is. I'm hopeless. Um, but in the last part of that, there was a... Because it was an almighty twist, people started sort of expecting a twist. Yeah. So sometimes we... Do, San Junipero is a good example where deliberately... I was keep holding, withholding a lot of information from the viewer for a long period of time. Weirdly, what that meant was, it was it sort of made it easier to write in yeah. some way because there were rigid rules about what I couldn't have them saying, but everything they said had to also work as a thing that like an OAP might say. <laughs> so, so actually, weirdly, that means you don't have option paralysis when you're thinking of the dialogue. There's only four options that yeah. you could have them say. So weirdly, sometimes it helps. Um, and then I think the season we've got coming up, some of them have got sort of twisted. Some of them haven't. Some of them it's just, it's we present a scenario yeah. and we play it out. Sometimes we reveal something early on. So we do, it's, we are, it's, it's a weird one. It's, um, yeah, we have, we have episodes with, we have twists and episodes with no twist. And I'm never sure... I do like a good twist, but it's it's a real pain in the fucking arse to, yeah. to come up with them. Sometimes it has to be literally uh, like you've reinvented it. Like White Bear was a good example where that was a different, completely... The story, they tell her a cover story in White Bear, which is one where this woman's in a sort of place where everyone's filming her. And they tell her that something's going on and there's a big twist that reveals it isn't originally the story just had their cover story was the story and it was a bit like a zombie sort of thing and then we were looking around locations and I suddenly had a much better idea and just literally threw the old script out and rewrote it in a couple of in a frenzy so I don't know it's a weird because, and because the all the all the episodes are very different in terms of style and tone increasingly different um I always feel like I'm a novice when I'm writing each episode because it's like we've got a space romp in this season. Yeah. And I've never written one of those before, for instance. I co-wrote it with William, William Bridges who, who did Shut Up and Dance last season. Well, very different to one you co-wrote. Very different. I mean, incredibly different in tone, yeah. those two. And luckily, I mean, Will knows, is a big fan of sort of a lot of um, kind of vintage sci-fi shows. So he sort of knew a lot of tropes and language and stuff yeah. like that. So that was really handy. Um, yeah, but it means I feel like oh, I don't quite know where this is going. I don't know, is this rubbish? I don't know when I'm when I'm writing it. I had this hunch that you must have at some point in your life before Black Mirror read uh, Labyrinths by Borges. No, 
Uh, I probably haven't read enough stuff full stop. I've probably read about five books in my life. Pick up that book and you're going to be like, oh, this this was like a, yeah, a blueprint for Black Mirror. Oh, blimey. Okay. Is it a sci-fi novel or is it a sort of conceptual... It's it's the same as similar to Black Mirror in the sense that like I mean one set up there's a series of short stories one of them's about where everything in society is um, decided by lottery and then right. and one of them is where there's um, a library exists that has every single possible combination of words imaginable so right. for every there's a perfect argument out there and there's a perfect counter argument for it gotcha. and everything and it and it explores it it goes down into what all of the ramifications of that have been. Oh, okay. So then, you, that is quite. I mean, yes, because we often do that sort of thing, where yeah. it's like take a premise and then dramatise it to, and uh, take keep it to a logical it extension, yeah, yeah. and then going, well, and that because because X, then Y. Yeah. <laughs> and basically keep doing that. Oh, that sounds quite good then. Yeah. I should put that up. <laughs> oh no, but what if it's brilliant? And then I think I'll never write anything again. <laughs> mm. uh, you're thinking about screenwriting, and you said about the three act structure and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you, you didn't go to film school and stuff. Um, and I, I remember this quote that I found really liberating. It was, um, it was an interview with a screenwriter who wrote Bigger Splash, this Ralph Fiennes film that was out last year. Mm-hmm. And they were asking him in the interview, they were like, uh, what screenwriting books would you recommend you know, to people? And he was mm-hmm. like, I wouldn't. Like, if, just, if you find, a, a film, find some films you like, just mm-hmm. study them intently, work out how they're working and go from there. And I thought that was quite, quite cool. And I guess that's a little bit what you've done. I guess. I mean, I have read some screenwriting books and I think they're a bit like... They're interesting to read when you're a writer, but they're a bit like books describing what makes a tune catchy or something like that. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit like you can kind of... It's weird because I've read them, but then I never really remember what they say later. Maybe some of it does soak in. I would say a better... What I found a more instructive thing was just reading scripts. And I haven't even read that many scripts, but... um, I remember weirdly, of all things, reading a reading a script for the Ross Kemp series, Ultimate Force. <laughs> that's like readily yeah, available. Those scripts. No, it was like <laughs> I knew someone who was going for an audition in it this yeah. years ago, and like there was a, there was a copy of the script, and I was like, oh, really? And weirdly, I learned a massive lesson from reading it, which was because uh, I'd tried, I'd written some scripts before, but what I hadn't really appreciated, this was like an action. There was like an action scene in it. And I'd always thought, it sounds so stupid, but I'd always always thought of the directions, the stage directions, effectively, as just really functional and that you'd write them in a very functional way. And because they were written in a sort of fast-paced, like, you know, staccato little sentences, I thought, oh, yeah, oh, right, that's meant to be interesting to read, then. <laughs> oh, yeah, because a human reads it. So you need to engage the human who's reading the script. It's not like a computer program where it's a, <laughs> oh, right, like a, like a penny dropped. So I guess just seeing how other screenwriters do stuff is probably more instructive, that, or talking to other writers is probably more instructive in a way than a lot of books. Having said that, there's a, a couple of really good books. There's a book called On Filmmaking by Alexander McKendrick that's very good. There's not really a how to write a screenplay that's going to make you a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. And then there's Stephen King's book on writing, which is just really interesting and really mm. well written. You can have influence by Ross Kemp on your Wikipedia page now. So sort of... <laughs> Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Who hasn't been? <laughs> Are you ever tempted to direct an episode? No, because I think that a I think that there's um, uh, partly because I think that the 
you know, in a way, as because I, I I write most of the scripts, but I probably get too much credit, like in a way, because partly because the whole thing is when you're coming up with the ideas, you're bouncing ideas off other people, and they're giving feedback. Then when you do the first draft and you hand that back that in, and you get notes and feedback, and you get very precious about mm. it, you're like no, no one's defensive about it, but it alters again because somebody else comes in and there's another mind on it. Then when the director comes in, they're going to look at it from a completely different perspective and they may have ideas that you are, you are opposed to or that, uh, that you hadn't, hadn't occurred to you, but it's again going to mould it in a different way. And the cast, you know, that happens with the cast and the art direction and the sound design and the composer yeah. and the editing. and the, Are there particular episodes where you thought I didn't expect it was going to come out like that? Oh, definitely. And, and, and having said, I mean, we're in, Annabelle and I are involved in every single one of those processes. Yeah. But it's so, it, that is, a, that's, it's, and, so, and we have strong opinions on all of those things. And sometimes we'll go, no, we don't think it should do that. And we'll, you know, we get, we get involved in the edit with there right until the very end with the mm. mix and the dub. And you sit there and you write down time codes and notes for every little thing. But um, definitely there's sometimes, a good example would be off the top of my head, um, well, there's two I can think of. One is Nosedive, uh, the episode that Joe Wright directed, yeah, like where he brought a visual sensibility that was not in any way sort of written into the script. But that whole sort of pastel, saccharine yeah. sort of world, that was completely his... He, he, he very early on said, I want it... He sort of said that, and he also specified the sort of music he wanted, and he specified Max Richter and this score. And you sort of go, oh, okay... Mm-hmm. And then um, I remember seeing the first rushes for that. They were shooting it in South Africa, and I wasn't—I was in back in Britain. I saw the rushes, and to start with, I was like, "Oh, oh, oh, oh I, I, I don't know about this. This is uh, oh, okay. Uh, that's a strong visual tone we've gone for there. Is that going to work?" And then as soon as you see, and then as, as I saw more of it, I was like, "Okay, I see what he's doing." And then as soon as the music came in on top of that, you're like, "Ah, right. Okay, I guess this." It, it comes together as a package. So that was a good example of a director coming in with a very strong visual idea that we had not foreseen before he got involved. Yeah, it's got a very sort of Edward Scissorhands-y thing. I like the set design and production in that episode. It's cool. Yeah, no, and and well, and another one from the season coming up, um, we've got an episode called Crocodile, which, start, which is directed by John Hillco. It stars Andrea Riseborough and uh, Kill and Sonia Sauer. And we the main parts in that the main the the sort of main protagonist was written as a was a male character in the script and we gave the script to Andrea Riseborough who to, to see if she was interested in playing one of the other parts in it and she came back and said I yeah I uh, I really like this script but can I'd like to play that part that's not a part I've played before it's this male part and could that could I play that part could you rewrite it mm-hmm. um and we thought about it and went yeah, okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's something that makes it more interesting, actually, because it was like it wasn't something that was in our heads when we first came up with it. So sometimes those things happen, and usually what happens is that all that stuff adds to the final product, basically. So it, it's, it's weird, because if your job at the start when you're writing the script, I always think my job is to um, sort of imagine the finished film and describe it, is a feels like a good psychological distancing trick somehow, like I'm describing something someone else has done in some way. <laughs> when we get to the end, the final product is actually very different to what that was in the first instance. But weirdly, I've, no, I've noticed that, that I can't remember 
what I was originally picturing anymore. It's been overwritten by the finished product, yeah. if that makes yeah. any sense. Um, so it's weird. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so I think, was that an answer? I think it was sort <laughs> that of. It was an answer. Okay. It was a long way. It was a good, good long, long, long walk <laughs> for, for an answer. Last question, Chris, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Oh, boy. I had so many more. What should I go for? Oh, um, a piece you wrote a long time ago, a very short piece um, mm. about cutting down your noise emissions. Do you remember that one? Oh, where I said I'm going to stop writing columns because... I uh, think, yeah, or I think you meant tweets or both. Right. Um, how is it to not be tweeting? It must be lovely. Well, I've really massively cut back. I do yeah. occasionally tweet about what twice a month or something, occasionally. It's a bit like bit like a smoker going back on the wagon I've tried to cut back on that sort of thing generally because I am uh, I used to be a chain smoker and I started recognizing the same pattern yeah like I would reach for my phone in the morning before I got out of bed I mean I still do do that but I'll tend to look at a news site or something like that and then try and put it down so I'm consciously trying to do that a bit less and it's not out of a sort of sense that I think that 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 sort of thing is necessarily bad it's just that um, it it's just too addictive and Moorish, and it, I'm I'm it makes me worried about my own attention span. Mm. You know, um, so I don't know if you've used if you ever used that app called Moment that tells you how much you how often you look at your phone. Oh God, no! <laughs> I didn't know that it's immediately terrifying. Oh yeah, I'll try that. Like I, I could a, use some more dread in my life. Well, because it will tell you no matter what you think, how often you think you look at your phone and for how long, it will tell you it's probably twice that <laughs> or three times that. Um, and so that's immediately. So I I don't really like that. Um, and and I suppose I felt generally. Um, that was that was partly I was writing columns and I sort of thought well everyone can write columns now in a way like like everyone can there's because there's so many avenues for yeah. comment and conversation. I sort of felt like it's kind of diminishing returns a bit. Isn't it? There's just so much out there now. It's yeah. Well, I know I'd write columns and then you get comments either that were going this is bullshit or going wow you've won the internet you've now and I think it's <laughs> I haven't done either of those things. So um, I just kind of got. Maybe I just ran out of things to write. Yeah. In that, and so now I now I now I I sort of choose to write in this form at the moment. Yeah. Dunno. Yeah, don't know why that is. Also just I'm like I've got two young kids now, so I don't have time to do a lot of it really. <laughs> and then just finally, do you ever wonder what Nathan Barley might be up to these days and ever think about returning to that? Uh, well, he'd definitely be. He'd be working. He'd be designing apps or something like that, wouldn't he? <laughs> exactly. Be, his time has come <laughs> in many, many ways. So he was a prophet. He uh... <laughs> he really was weirdly ahead of his time. Um, yeah, as a vlogger, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we did we did work out a whole storyline for a second season once, yonks ago, and then we just didn't sort of get around to doing yeah. it. Yeah, it would be really depressing to go back there now. It would be quite funny. Yeah, quite funny. Hmm. Alright, thanks All so right. much Charlie nice Cheers. Pleasure Pleasure. So that was Colonels, I hope you enjoyed our chat, you know you might have this impression of Charlie Brooker as somewhat of a difficult man to get along with just because of you know how many, how sort of caustic his columns used to be but actually he's just a very, very humble, nice guy So yeah, thanks for listening and I'll catch you in a couple of weeks In the meantime, if you want to hit us up on Twitter at Colonels or 
on Instagram at Colonel's Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, and it's genuinely really helpful. And if you have any suggestions or questions or ideas for interviews or topics, we'll try and get them in the show. All right, take care.